I want us to continue with our very exciting series that we are taking for a few months as we begin this year. And uh, our series is, We Are Imperfect People in the Hands of a Perfect God. And I'm so excited about this series. I'm so excited because I want to confess to you, I am a very imperfect person. <laughs> but that doesn't come to you as a surprise because you already knew that. But what overwhelms me and kind of shocks me is how God uses me despite of my imperfections. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that God can use me to be a dad. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that God can use me to be someone's husband, regardless of my imperfections. I am overwhelmed by the fact that God would use me to be an employee and grant me favor at my workplace, regardless of how probably shitty I am at my job. But I am so thankful that the love of God, even as we have sung this morning, is so overwhelming, it kind of makes my heart bubble because I know that I am loved by my heavenly Father. But it kind of breaks my heart when I think of how God loves people and how I look at people out there and perceive them at times. Because I look at people in their failures, I look at people in their sin, I look at people in their character, and I say, I'm not even going to associate with you, I'm not even going to give you time, because I judge them based on their character. But when I step back and look at how God loves those people, how he cares for them, how he delights with them, how he wants actually to use me to be the channel of love and his grace to those people, and I sit back and I judge them, it breaks my heart. So even as I look at this text that I'm going to look at this morning, I just want to open your eyes to the reality that God loves people. But as Christian, dare I say, we have been the barriers of God's love reaching out to people. Because we think that we are so good for those who are out there who are still in their sins. Yet we forget there was a time, there was a period in our life when we were dead in our sin. But Christ raised us up and made us alive in Christ Jesus. I was talking to my colleague a few weeks ago, and I haven't really spoken to her. She knows I'm a Christian, but I've never really spoken to her matters of faith. And we were just conversing, and I was telling her, oh, I'm going to be going to church and whatever. And she told me, oh, by the way, I used to go to church when I was a young girl. But I don't go to church anymore because I just think I'll be judged. And it really, it really broke my heart. And I started talking to her about the love of God. Because in her current situation and circumstances, she thinks that the church is not going to accept her. And I was trying to explain to her how much God loves people, regardless of your sin, regardless of what you are going through, God loves you. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And it is his joy and desire to connect with the sinner so that you can have dominion over sin that indwells you. So even when we encounter people outside, we need to differentiate between sin and the sinner. 
God is calling us to love everybody, to embrace everybody. He's not calling us to embrace sin. He's calling us to embrace the sinner. Then by embracing the sinner and showing that sinner the love of God, that sinner will realize that my sin needs to go because Christ has paid the price for it. So the story I'm going to share with you today is a fascinating story found in the book of Joshua 2. It's a story of a lady that they call Rahab, the prostitute. And it is, it is funny because the Bible keeps referring to her as Rahab, the prostitute. So the background of the story is that the children of Israel are now marching into the promised land. And now Joshua sends two spies ahead to go and spy on one of the biggest cities that was in the promised land, the city of Jericho. And as these spies go into the city, the first stop they enter is Rahab's house. Rahab was a prostitute and she had a prime location right by the city gates. And she was living up in the tower and her house was by the wall of the city. Now, as Rahab welcomes these spies, word goes out to the king that there are spies who have entered the city and they've gone into Rahab's house. So the king sends representative to go and tell Rahab, get these men out so that they can be punished. Now, you have to understand that Jericho was a city that had been guarded day and night. It was a city that was surrounded by walls, and it was a city that they were on a day and night watch because they were fearful that they are going to have an invasion. So they knew that these men are there. But Rahab told the representatives of the king, no, the men came here, but they went out before the gates were closed. So she lied. So not only is she a prostitute, but she's also a liar. So I'm going to pick up the story from verse 8 and read a little bit so that we understand where we are going. So she took the spies and had hidden them. So verse 8 says, this is Joshua 2 verse 8, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you and when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Shehon and Og, the two kings of Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everybody's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and above and the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the life of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Verse 17. Now the man had said to her, This is the oath you made us swear. 
will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied up this scarlet cord by the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and your sisters and your family to your house, if any of them go outside your house in the street, their blood will be on their head. We will not be responsible. As for those who will be in this house with you, you, with you, their blood will be on our head if the hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now I find this story fascinating. I find this story fascinating in the sense that it kind of opens up for us to realize just how lost an opportunity the children of Israel had for the beginning. She tells them that we have heard what the Lord did for you. You might think that she's telling them that they have had something that happened yesterday. Actually, she's telling them they have had something that happened 40 years ago. The children of Israel came out of Egypt. They went to the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea by the hand of Moses and they crossed on the, on the dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they were swallowed by the water. Then coming out on the other side, they rejoiced and sing and Miriam taking the tambourine sang and praised the Lord and say, I rejoice in the Lord because you have destroyed our enemies. The horse and his rider you have hauled into the sea, that popular psalm that we sing. They were so joyful and delightful, but then when they looked ahead, instead of going with that joy and delight, they became fearful to enter the land that God had promised them. And it got me thinking, how many opportunities have I lost when the Lord speaks to my heart about my neighbor, when God speaks to my heart about my colleagues, when God speaks to my heart about people out there, and I have that excitement and joy within me, and then when I step my foot down, I develop fear. And then I deal and dwell in a wilderness of fear, yet God had already given me victory. The Lord has empowered each one of us without exception. The Holy Spirit that dwells, dwelt in Billy Graham, the Holy Spirit that dwells in Simon Holy, it is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you and dwells in me. And he has empowered us to go because he has already won the victory. But then our fear makes us live in the wilderness because we have not stepped out. The children of Israel, the people that they were afraid of, Rehab is telling them, we have been afraid of you for 40 years. We are terrified in our houses that you are coming. Why? Because we had the testimony of the Lord, how he delivered you out of Egypt, how he parted the Red Sea, how you walked on dry land. We have been terrified on you. But guess what? The children of Israel, for 40 years, they've been terrified for the people who have been terrified of them. What a coincidence. The Lord has given us victory. People out there have heard the testimony of the Lord. 
They might not be believers, they might not be Christian, but they have heard Jesus walked on the earth. They have heard that the Father loves them. They have heard that Lord, the goodness of God is there. What they are looking for is not to know that Jesus is there. They are looking to know, do you have Christ in you? They know God is there. They know Jesus is there. They've heard of the stories. They've been to school. They have been taught in Sunday school ages ago. They've heard preachers preach on the street. They've heard the radio. If you want to know everybody knows there is a God, when everybody comes to a near-death experience, what do they do? They say, oh, my God. They know there is a God. What they are looking for is for you to show you how is this God practically in people's life. They are looking at us as Christians to display the splendor, the character, the goodness of this father. They want to put kind of flesh on this imagination that they have. They want to put some flesh on it. And that flesh is going to come by us displaying our goodness, by us displaying our love to them, by us reaching out to them, by those loving those who have been despised by the community. And so Rahab tells them, your testimony reached us. And that begs another question. Do I have a testimony? God has given each one of a testimony, and am I sharing that testimony that the Lord has given me? There is power in our testimony. And because of the word of the testimony, they knew in Jericho that there is a God. So I would encourage you, have a testimony and share that testimony. So our testimony becomes our witness. But then we see Rahab's faith. So Rahab, she did not just hear this story as a foreign story, but she believed in her heart there is a God. We read that she says, He is God in heaven and above the earth and beneath. It was Rahab's declaration. It was proof of her faith. She was not, it was not strong faith. It was not perfect faith. But her faith was commendable nevertheless. I want to tell you, God loves little faith. He loves little faith. Because it is the little faith that moves mountains. If someone so greater came here and did something, it's great. It will bring the crowds. It will excite people. But they will say, "Hmm, he has a capacity to do it because he is so and so in the world. He is so and so in the community. But the stories that matter is when nobodies do things that are great. Those are the stories that matter. Those are the stories that people remember because they think, what the heck? How did you do that? And then they don't look at you and say, oh, you are really great. They say, wow, God is great. And so your little acts of faith, your little mustard seed of faith, God honors that. Let me show you how God honored Rahab's faith. Very little faith, just to say, I believe this God of Israel. How did, she, how did he honor her? Hebrews 11. Let's look at Hebrews 11 quickly. Hebrews 11 is talking about the heroes of faith. And it says in Hebrews 11:31, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. 
God honored that faith by giving her a whole verse in Hebrews 11, in the corner of the heroes of faith. But that is not what gets me. The next verse is what gets me. Listen to this. It says in 32, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. Now, this, this surprised me. The writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, had time to pin a whole verse about Rahab. But he says, I don't have time to talk about the prophets, to talk about David, to talk about Jephthah, to talk about Samson. Come on. We celebrate David as the greatest king who ever lived. But he had no time to pin a verse about David and had time for Rahab, the prostitute. Can you just see the love of God and how he celebrates even our little acts of faith? The Lord says that in my kingdom, if you give even a cup of water to my little one, you will be rewarded greatly in my kingdom. Jesus does not say, oh, if you go preaching and, you know, you make thousands and millions of people to come to faith, you will have a place in my kingdom. Yes, you will have your place. But he says, everybody, I have empowered you to do the little that you can do, which can make an impact in our world. So my desire is just to get you to really see that the Lord loves you and he desires to use you regardless of who you are, regardless of the capacity that you have. Don't look at yourself and say, oh, I'm not able to do this or I'm not in a position to do this or I don't have the capacity to do this because you do. In the little steps that you can take, God can use that for his kingdom. Another thing I see in this story, we see Rahab receiving the gifts of the Spirit. We had a series recently here about the gifts of the Spirit, of love, of, 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 uh, of love and joy and peace and gentleness and self-control. We just see Rahab receiving those gifts. Rahab says to the spies, he says to them, not just me you're going to save, but I want you to save my father's house. I want everybody in my father's house to be saved when you will come to take over the city. Now, you might think that is a very easy thing. Oh, his family, you know, what else could she have said? But maybe you have great families or, you know, you've, you've never experienced. Do you know sometimes the most difficult people to deal with are family? The most difficult situation, the people who will probably give you the biggest headaches are family. Do you know that? You guys, you have perfect families. <laughs> but probably the family of Rahab was no different. Maybe they were judging her for who she is, for what she does. Maybe she had fallen with her sister, with her brother, with her aunt, with whatever. But when the time came for salvation, her first thought was that not just me alone, but my family too. I'm not going to get saved and see my family perish. But who is your family really? Who is your family? It's everybody. 
Because God wants us all to call each other from all the corners of the world and to become one big family of God. So the love that Rahab had for her family is the same love that the Lord wants you to have to the people around us. It is the love that he wants you, the urgency for you to have in your heart to say, I'm going to reach out. We read like in Paul in Romans chapter 9, it is the same love that Paul had for his Jewish brothers. And Paul says, I'll rather be accursed if the Jewish people will come to faith. Paul had such a love for his Jewish brothers that he said, I would rather go to hell if that will mean my Jewish brothers being saved. Moses had such a love when God was wanting to destroy Israel after they had made something to worship, an idol to worship in Exodus 32. And Moses told God, blot my name out of the book of life, but save the children of Israel. And it is the same love that the Lord wants us to have for the people around us. It is the same love that he wants us to reach out to, to those that we don't agree with. When I was preparing this word the other time, not, not this, I got this word the other time. I, I didn't even know if it is a word, and I still don't know if it is a word. But I, I felt God tell me a word for someone. And this is how it came. You have too many white friends. You have too many white friends. Then I thought about it. And it said, you have too many black friends. You have too many Christian friends. You have too many people who subscribe to the same kind of thinking, to the same kind of ideology, to the same kind of operation, that you don't have capacity to love anybody else. So you look at people and you judge them. If they don't fit in the box that you can subscribe to, if they cannot fit in the box of your ideology, you don't give them time. But what the Lord wants you to do is to cut those boundaries and go beyond what your normal ideology is. The Lord is saying, have some non-Christian friends. Because that is the only time and only opportunity you're going to have to draw them in. Keith was talking about matters to do with the injustices. He, talk, he spoke about race. He spoke about social, economical. He, he spoke about a, a political situations. These are issues that we look out there and we say, I don't subscribe to that. But God wants you to break those barriers and reach out to the people who you will normally not reach out to. The love of God is not just for the people that you can agree with, for the people that you will subscribe to the same ideology with, but it should be for each and everybody who he is calling you out to reach. Jesus loves the church. Last point I want to make on this. Rahab, faith was nothing unless it was anchored in the cord. The spies told her, tie this cord by the window. It will be the sign that your house is safe. 
Our faith is nothing unless it is anchored in Christ Jesus. Jesus is that cord. It is that cross, that cord that she put her faith in the cord that when they see the cord, they will pass over. When, she, when they see the cord, they will know that is a place of safety. And that is the cross for me and you. They told her, if your brothers and sisters and mothers, and if they are not in the house where the cord is, they will perish. That gives us the responsibility for those that we care about out there. If we don't bring them in the house of God, if they don't subscribe to the cross of Jesus, we cannot guarantee their salvation. Their salvation will only come if they anchor it in the cross of Jesus. We can love them with all the love that we have. We can care for them. But unless they come to the cross, my friend, they will perish. If Rahab had any family who wasn't in the house, in her room, they perished on that day. So that gives us even more desire to have that desire to say, I don't want to see you perish, but I want you in the house of God. And that is what God is commissioning us this morning. Two conclusions I want to draw from this story. If I may just take a minute. The love of God is great, it's massive, and it is lavish. God will go to the extent to bring his children home. It fascinates me that these spies went into the city to spy on the city. But in reality, that was not their mission. Their mission was to be witnesses for Jesus. They went in the city thinking they are going to spy but God had sent them on a rescue mission. And God has a plan for each and every one of us. You might think that I am living in difficult situation. I'm living in difficult circumstances. I'm living around people who are rubbing me the wrong way. I'm living around sin everywhere. Is there a plan that God has in my life? I can assure you this morning, yes, there is a plan God has for you. And God will go to the ends of the earth to fulfill that plan that he has for each one of us. How do I know that? Look at the ending of Rahab. Rahab was rescued on that day and she went in Israel and she continued making a family there. And then we come to the New Testament centuries later. And Matthew speaking about the genealogy of Jesus. Now, as Matthew starts writing about the genealogy of Jesus, who do we find in the genealogy of Jesus? Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab now comes and becomes the great-great-grandmother of King David. A woman who was a prostitute, a woman who was a liar, but God went to the ends of the earth to send spies so that she can be saved so that she can be found in the lineage. Of Jesus. You don't know, you don't see the plan that God has for you. You might be in situation and circumstances, you think that 
what am I doing here? Why is this happening to me? Why are these circumstances and situations around me? I want to tell you, God is working day by day to fulfill that plan. And if you can just put your hope and trust and faith in his purpose for your life, you will see. You watch, you wait, you will see. And you will see the goodness of God in time of your living. I want to encourage you even as you go. God has commissioned each one of us to go and be witnesses. And he wants to display his grace, his goodness, his love to people through us. So don't neglect your little faith. Take up those steps and see what God will do. I want just to pray for us. Because I believe that there is, when Nathan, we were praying this morning, Nathan said, you know, I feel like there is a commissioning this morning. And I feel the same at this moment. That the Lord wants just to commission you. I don't know where he's sending you. I don't know who he's going to send you to. But you prepare yourself because he is bringing people your way. And he's going to use you to bring those people in. Can we bow?